when it comes down to it, I'm sort of service driven in this industry and I do just love being able to bring people together to have amazing experiences around food. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Tropical North Queensland is an incredible region of Australia. Warm, humid climes, extraordinary tropical fruit, spectacular seafood and a lifestyle many of us yearn for and often jump in a plane to immerse ourselves into in small doses. But what's it like running a hospitality venue reliant on tourists in a pandemic? Raina Patrick is the co-owner of Harrison's in Port Douglas and co-founder of Taste Port Douglas Food and Drink Festival. Raina, how are you? Good, thanks, Huck. How are you? I'm good. You're in a pretty uh, spectacular region of Australia. Uh, what, what's it like up there during summer? Well, right now it's um, it's pretty hot and sticky, actually. Um, so our, our summer is um, humid and and hot and wet. Uh, it's the winters up here that everyone uh, really jumps for. It, it's a fascinating region with incredible produce. Um, Tell us a bit about um, what what lured you up to that region. So um, we, Spencer and myself, my husband, had decided to leave our hospitality jobs and lives in Melbourne and do some travelling around Australia. And um, Spencer and I met in Melbourne. He's from the UK originally and he'd not seen much of the country and I had not seen much of the country either so we decided to sort of pack up our lives in in Melbourne and hit the road and we didn't really have a um, clear intention of ending up in Port Douglas but uh, we did the south coast and west uh, and west coast and ended up landing up here to meet some of his family from the UK actually and uh, we had a bit of an extended holiday and just never left. So it's a bit of a cliched story. A lot of people you speak to up here are from um, from Melbourne, all expats, and they come up here for a holiday and decide that they're they're never leaving. So that happened to us, and um, we got up here and. And um, shortly after we arrived here, we found out we we're pregnant with our um, our first child, Harrison. And um, yeah, we just decided that. Um, it was a good place to be and a good place to start that next chapter of our lives. Well, you're an important part of the the, the fabric of the culinary landscape up there, which we can dive into shortly. But take us take us back. What sort of role did food play in your family uh, when you were young? Um, so I grew up um, in a fairly multicultural household. My uh, my mum's Maori and my dad's Italian, and um, they uh, they weren't huge cooks at home themselves, but um, Dad and his family uh, migrated over from southern Italy in the late fifties, um, and they were from a very rural part of of southern Italy. So they they migrated over as part of the assisted migration scheme um, back then. So they travelled in packs. So they you know they came over. There were families that all travelled together. They um, set up shop in um, in Fitzroy in North Melbourne and um, started their life here. But they really, you know, there were three families living in a house. So they managed to keep hold of a lot of their traditions and their and their their culture and their food culture and all that sort of thing. So by the time the grandkids came along, 
we would pretty much spend every Sunday up at my grandparents' house and it was just about food, basically. By by that stage, they'd moved up to um, even more north um, in Melbourne, in Thomastown. And so they all had these houses and, you know, the yards were all concreted and brick apart from an enormous garden and a chicken coop. So that was pretty much standard in, in all of their places. So every time we went up there, my grandmother was just cooking. It was every Sunday, just heading up there and doing this big Sunday meal. And it was like she had just spent all week preparing for this meal. And that, that was that was what it all revolved around. And we'd go and visit other members of the family in other houses. And it was just about this spread of food appearing from nowhere. So, you know, that was sort of instilled in me from a very young age. And I guess it didn't really, you know, motivate me to go, oh, okay, I want to head into a, into a career in food or, or, you know, becoming a chef or whatever. But I think what it instilled in me at, um, at that early age or motivated in me and sort of directed my, my career in sort of acknowledging the power that food has to bring people together. Before you embarked on a, a journey in restaurants, you uh, did a double degree and, and immersed, uh, immersed yourself in sort of the tourism sector. Tell us about that period of time. I really didn't have a clear career direction of what I was going to do. I was, you know, I was academically good at school, but I didn't have a clear, all right, I'm going to do this course and this is what I'm going to end up doing and this is where it's going to lead me. I, um, I just sort of jumped headfirst into it and, and did it without really thinking of, of where, where it was going to lead me. But I suppose looking back on it, it's sort, of, um, it's sort of been a direction that I've ended up going full circle in. Um, I didn't officially really get into anything after, after doing that, um, that degree because I ended up travelling and going overseas and getting even more involved in, um, in restaurants and, and in hospitality. So... I think um, I never really had a, a moment when I was younger thinking, okay, I'm going to get into restaurants or I'm going to get into the hospitality industry. I think I just sort of always defaulted back into it in some way or another. You uh, spent a lot of time uh, working in Melbourne at um, some amazing venues. What, what were the really integral moments and venues that you worked at that helped shape your career? Yeah, so like I was saying, after I, I, I finished my degree and I ended up going overseas and I, I worked in some amazing places. I got to work in um, ski resorts in, in America and I um, ended up going over to um, to the UK and working in some um, really interesting places over there. Um, when I got back from my travels... So first sort of serious um, restaurant role that I worked at. So Trust CBD. Um, so it was the restaurant was located in this incredible building in an old um, Harbour Trust building, historical listed. So, you know, big ceilings and really opulent building, had this amazing bar at the front and beautiful fine dining restaurant in the back. Um, and we had these this huge wine list um, uh, the manager that I had was, you know, very generous with his time with passing on all his knowledge and things. And I think that was the first sort of venue and time that I went, oh, okay, all right, I could, um, I could see myself 
doing something in this instead of sort of pursuing other things and doing other courses and trying to figure out what I was doing and doing hospitality in the meantime. So I think that was the time that I kind of went, all right, I can do this. And it was at that venue that I got the opportunity to really look at all other areas of the industry. So, you know, I got to work there and do these incredible events and I got to get into a bit of admin side. I learned a lot in the bar. I learned a lot in restaurants and fine dining and and wine and all that sort of thing. So I think that was the first time that I went, okay, this is a really dynamic industry and you can't get bored in this industry because, you know, there's always something to learn and that's something that I sort of try and try and um, uh, encourage my staff now to even do, saying, you know, there's so much that you can look at and do in this industry. So it's a lot of lot of opportunities. But, um, yeah, that was, um, that was an incredible venue. It, as I said, like the wine list there was enormous. They had um, like, you know, a thousand wines on this list and they salad them all in this staircase that went up up into the roof of this of this venue. So I think me being one of the most junior people, whenever someone ordered something that was on this on this list, they'd send me scurrying up into the roof. And I just loved it <laughs> because you'd be going up this roof and the staircase would just get narrower and narrower and all the wines would just kind of packed around this staircase. And I just used to love going up there and, you know, pulling down all these bottles and things. So yeah, that was a really incredible experience. And I think it was then that I kind of went, all right, I think I need to start getting serious about about looking at, you know, doing, making this a bit more of a serious thing in my life. You met your husband, uh, Spencer, uh, in Melbourne and you eventually moved to North Queensland. What, what, where did you, did you work together in that period of time in Melbourne? Well, I think that was um, as, as well as, as well as that venue being a pivotal moment in my hospitality thing. It was probably also a very pivotal moment in my life because that is where I met Spencer um, and he he came on board as a um, as a consultant there, and um, and uh, before that there was an incredible Italian chef that worked there, and he'd um, he'd just come from working at um, Locanda Locatelli in London, so got exposed to some incredible food there as well. And then Spencer came along with his sort of classic French um, background and influence and things as well. And I I wish I could tell you that it was more than a um, cliched waitress chef story huck but i can't sorry <laughs> you guys uh, set off traveling and um you've made such an incredible um, mark on north queensland and the food scene there what what were the challenges in opening uh, harrison's when you landed um so we landed and everything moved really quite quickly for us we got there we fell in love with the area um Spencer actually sadly um, lost his mum not long after we got there and I think that was kind of a pivotal moment for him where he's like, okay, time to do something and this opportunity just presented itself where for this um, for this venue on the main street in Port Douglas and I think we both just kind of were young and naive and we just went, okay, let's do it and we jumped in head first with our eyes closed and you know, looking back 14 years, if I, you know, you could say if I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, so, so lucky we just jumped and we, and we did it. And that's how we sort of started that, that restaurant. It was just the two of us just working to make it work. So, <clears throat> yeah, so it was, um, look, it was interesting, challenging time. But as I said, it was, it was 14 years ago and we moved Harrison's to a um, different venue after a few years. 
and now we've moved it um, over into the Sheraton. So, yeah, lots and lots of learning along the way and lots of challenges and lots of, you know, adjusting to the seasonality of what life is up here. But um, I think because, you know, the, we, we started that sort of running it ourselves, we always had that to fall back on. You know, Spencer was always in the kitchen, I was front of house, he does what I can't do, I do what he can't do and that's pretty much how our partnership works in all areas of our businesses and, and things. You, you opened a, a couple of venues quite quickly in that sort of first couple of years. Well, um, what was it like running multiple venues um, reliant on the locals but also tourists as well? Yeah, it was, it was interesting and, and challenging and, um, you know, again, it's a lot of lessons in, learnt in how to, how to scale your business and how to run it properly. But um, we just, you know, opportunities presented themselves and we just jumped at them and, um, and we worked and made it work. And, yeah, it was, it was hard along the way and we sort of ended up over 10 years sort of scaling things back to more manageable things but we had a lot of energy back then and, and we just made, we made it work and we learnt the seasons and, um, and uh, established sort of a, a name for the restaurants up there in that town on a local and national sort of basis. So... Tropical North Queensland is about as far away from France and French cookery as, as you can get. Did, did the location and the, the climate affect the sort of wine list that you created and the sort of food that, that Spencer was doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when we first started there, I mean, Spencer had a style of cooking and and we'd only been living in the area for less than six months. So we really sort of did what we knew and what we knew was, you know, his background in the UK and then for a very short time in Melbourne and obviously my background predominantly in Melbourne. So, yeah, we we did what we knew and then we had to, you know, adjust really quickly to the climate and, yeah, adjust drinks lists and wines and and look at what type of reds were on the list and, and how we store them and all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah, it was a, it was a big learning curve and I think across over that time it was all about, you know, making sources lighter and making things more temperate and learning about the, the food that was in season and what we could get up there as well. I mean, the supply chains and everything to far north Queensland are a lot different to what we were used to back in, in Melbourne. So it was, um, yeah, learning what was in season, what was available, what the local food was like, what suppliers that we could work with and all that sort of thing. And, um, and that really had a, had a big influence in, on what the menus were, were like and what the wine lists ended up being like as well. As you mentioned, Harrison's moved. Um, what's, what's it like running the restaurant in the resort as opposed to the standalone in, in Port Douglas? Is it a different operation? Um, again, it was probably one of the steepest learning curves for for us. You know, we went from – before we moved Harrison's into the Sheraton, I'd never worked in a, in a hotel environment 
in my life. So I was all restaurants and cafes and my background was just standalone restaurants and and same for for Spencer. So we sort of went into this world, this very corporate world, and it was a huge learning curve, learning, you know, a completely different language. But um, but it's been a really interesting learning curve and really an incredible journey, especially over the last few years through COVID and things and being able to navigate through that in a, um, in a larger environment with, um, with sort of more support and things. So I think in a, in a way, yes, we've had to learn a lot, but it's been, we've been really lucky to be in that, in that environment, especially over the last few years. How do you strike that balance of, of running a, a viable hospitality offering that, that does look after the locals but is, is quite reliant on, on tourists? Um, I think up here the, the trick is that you've always got to look after your locals and have something on for the locals. So, I mean, what we've been able to do um, with with Tasteport Douglas and with Harrison's is make sure that we've always got interesting events on and things like that for the locals to sort of immerse themselves into. So we bring a lot of, you know, food experiences to town that, um, that uh, are unique for people. So... Yeah, I mean, when it's busy and you're, you're full every night with tourists wanting to, to get in, then I guess the lucky thing is that everyone in town's quite busy. So there's certain times of the year that the locals go out. But, um, yeah, we've always just tried to have something different on that um, that locals can enjoy and, and, and experience. And um, I think that's, uh, that's something that we've tried to do from the start of Harrison's and um, and then obviously with, with Tasteport Douglas. So that's worked out quite well for us. Taste Port Douglas is a real celebration of the, of the region. How did the idea come about and what's it been like um, sinking your teeth into running a, a food festival? Mm, um, so I think um, the idea sort of came about with um, we, we sat around with a lot of other restaurant owners and we sort of thought, what can we do to to highlight the area and, and the food culture that we've got up here and the restaurants because, um, I mean, a lot of time people come up here obviously to go to the reef and to go to the rainforest but we wanted to sort of explore how we can make the, the region more more of a, um, a foodie destination as well. Um, so we came up with the first version of Taste Port Douglas um, and it was a lot of um, a big committee of, um, of restaurant owners and we all sort of got together and came up with this with this idea. But as, as things happened, people sort of dropped off one by one. I think I was the last man standing. So I think by default, I kind of ended up <laughs> with, this, with this thing on my hands. But um, that was back in 2013. And, you know, it was a, a one-day festival. We had a stage. Um, that probably had like a couple of like camp burners on it. We had um, we had Ben O'Donoghue graciously said yes to coming up and being our our our, um, our star for the uh, for the festival, and um, that was that was the, the first thing. But it was just so well um, received by all the locals because it was something so different, and and it sort of just grew from there. So the next year we thought, okay, let's just uh, do it again. And by that stage, um, Spencer jumped in and got involved and, and helped with the with obviously um, attracting more talent and things up in it. It grew from there until about 2017. Um, and uh, for those four years, I mean, it was 
It was a um, great, we grew it to about a three-day um, festival, uh, huge program, fantastic lineup, one of the, um, you know, strongest lineups in Australia. And I think by 2017, um, we had sort of scaled back a few things in business and in life and um, and we decided that it was just uh, time to give it a bit of a break. I think um, it had been a pretty uh, hectic few years of opening venues and moving venues and during that time as well we had um, opened up a couple of venues down in Brisbane too. So we just had this hectic 10 years and um, and it all sort of, got to the point in 2017 where we're like, I think we need a break. So we knocked it on the head for a little while. So um, 2019, we started conversations about bringing Tasteport Douglas back again to, um, to the area and we sort of got all the wheels in motion and we're about to get it all, all going again and then obviously COVID hit. So everything just, again, just fell off. The, the festival is uh, such a celebration of the region. What's what's so great about the region and and the and the produce there? I think um, when we looked at it, we're like, okay, so we've got this area that has got so many incredible restaurants. Um, we've got the Atherton Tablelands, which just where this beautiful food bowl um, just on our doorstep. We've got great seafood. We've got the, uh, you know, the lifestyle. But I think what really sets this location and food festival apart is the fact that there's no other backdrop like it for a food festival in the world. Um, so, you know, you can a food festival you know it's a format that's done everywhere you know you bring chefs up and you've got demos and you've got dinners and all that sort of thing but then we've got this incredible region and location and we can hold these dinners in these incredible places and hold a festival overlooking um the ocean and um the the start of the danger rainforest and i think that's sort of a location and um and the the produce that we've got right on our doorstep is is what makes this um this festival really unique you've uh, really cemented yourself in in the culinary landscape there over the last uh, 14 years what, what do you love about what you do um i think for me again it's just creating that experience um like i said before i mean there's there's so many different areas to this this industry and I've had, I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to sort of sink my teeth into so many different things. I mean, you know, I get to be involved in this food festival, which, you know, keeps me busy when I'm running at 12 months of the year and and I get to look at um, incredible wines and, and meet suppliers and distributors from, from all over and um, work with some really inspiring people. So, I think that's um, that's an incredible part of um, of what I get to of what I get to do, um, and I think when it comes down to it, I mean, like I said before, I'm sort of service driven in this industry, and I do just love being able to bring people together to have amazing experiences around food. The last two years has been challenging for so many. Has, have there been positives to come out of that um, moving into 2022 for you? 
Um, yeah, I mean, like the the last two years have been crazy, right? Um, we went through the first lot of of um, of lockdowns with COVID, and um, we, like everyone else in the country, were closed for three months. And I think we made a really um, uh, a choice really early on in that first closure to just kind of embrace what was happening. We kind of accepted there was nothing that we could do about it. We didn't know what was going to happen. The restaurant was closed. Every restaurant was closed. And um, we just decided to make the most of that time that we had. So we we were very lucky that we were up in this bubble up here and that we had the freedom of, you know, we, we live 15 minutes north of Port Douglas in a place called Kuya Beach and we've got um, – a lot of wide open spaces. So we were very lucky and felt really blessed to be able to still go out for walks on empty beaches and all that sort of thing. And we just made the most of the time that we had. We work in an industry where, you know, we're working nights and, you know, we're juggling life and kids and all that sort of thing. And so we just spent three months at home and um, we all really like each other in our family. So we enjoyed <laughs> we enjoyed keeping each other company. We ate some good food. We drank cheap wine and um, we just enjoyed the time that we had because we thought, you know what, when, when are we going to get another time in our lives, in our working lives that we're going to be able to spend three months at home doing this? So we just, we made the most of that. Um, and then obviously we went back into opening the restaurants up and navigating through all of all all of that, um, which was a really interesting time and all the restrictions. And I think that's what this last two years has just been about. It's just really navigating and and guiding the team through all the different changes because it just has changed so much. Do you have any uh, plans for 2022 that you can tell us about? So, yeah, we've just locked in the dates for Taste World Douglas 2022, actually. So we have confirmed that we're running the festival from the 11th to 14th of August, which is super exciting. Um, last this year, we I think we pulled the we pulled we pushed the button on the festival, and I think we pulled it off in a few months. And we just decided that we had to go ahead with it. So this this year, it was sort of on and off. Should we? Shouldn't we? Will the borders close? Will the borders open? And we literally, by the time we went into this year's Taste Port Douglas, the borders between Queensland and South Australia were the only ones that were open. So all the talent that we had planned from New South Wales and Victoria was uh, was scrapped and we sort of sat around the table and we went, do we do this or do we, do we not? And we thought, you know what, let's do it because we need to move forward and say that, you know, like give – give ourselves some hope, give the industry some hope that, you know, that, that this can, that this can happen. So we're really glad that we did that, but we, we left it really late to sort of, to confirm that it was all going ahead. Anyway, we, we went ahead and we thought this year we want to get out with the news nice and early. So we have confirmed and locked in dates that we are, we are going ahead next year. So that's really exciting. And we're just, you know, like hopefully next year is a, uh, um, the, we've got the opportunity to have all the borders open and get all the chefs up and, you know, maybe even have some international travel. We'll see. Amazing. Well, Raina, congratulations on everything that you've done so far and look forward to seeing what you do with Taste Port Douglas in, uh, this year. Uh, please keep in touch and um, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Huck. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. 
I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.